So I made a promise. I made a commitment to today's guest to stick to something for the next 30 days. So as this podcast goes live, I'm starting the first of 30 days and you can follow along if you want. You're going to find out exactly what that thing is in today's episode with Pete Tansley. So Pete is a seven-figure coach. He helps fitness professionals, fitness business owners, coaches, um, boot camp owners, grow and scale their businesses and um, build businesses of their dreams. Now that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. We're actually going to explore that today as well with Pete. Now Pete is an awesome business owner and I tried to stay away on this episode from just talking about strategy and tactics which we do a lot of the time and uh, we took it a little bit of a different direction. We talk about belief systems, money mindset and really what it takes to build a successful business beyond the tactics and the strategies. So this is going to be an awesome show for you guys. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And uh, if you've got any feedback on the show or your biggest takeaways, drop me a message or share it on your stories. I'll be sure to repost it. It's an industry that I generally love. I have a passion for. I, I, I eat, sleep. I live for fitness. No, you need to be obsessed. You need to wake up, think about it. You need to go to bed, think about your clients, think about your progress, think about what you can do better. Genuinely, like, just be, like, patient and take your time. Like, that, that is, like, you've got to take it all in, in the right steps. You've got to nail what you do in person before you go and, like... I don't like to talk about fear. The fear is usually something that makes your worries real. Welcome to the Coaching Ignited podcast. I'm your host, Alex Povey. It's great to have you here. This show is all about peeling back the curtain on what's going to help you build the fitness business you truly want. And each week, we bring on a new guest to share their stories, insights, and strategies so you too can take action and apply what you learn. The podcast is released every Wednesday on all the major platforms, including Spotify and iTunes. So make sure you go give that a subscribe, guys. Now, if you're a personal trainer in a commercial gym with 500 plus members and you want to fast track your income growth and learn how to sign multiple new clients a week, reach out to me personally through Facebook or Instagram and just drop me a private message so we can get the conversation started and see if you could be a good fit for one of our programs. All the links to my social can be found in the show notes so you can connect with me there. Now let's get into this week's episode. Enjoy the show. All right, so we should be in action. I just want to say thanks, man, for taking the time to, to do this. Um, like I said, I've been following you for a while. We're in the same mastermind. Obviously, you're a couple of steps ahead. And like I was saying before, we, I came across you on a podcast, which is quite ironic. And um, I've seen you've been doing a few podcasts as well, which we're going to get into. Um, but for anyone, Pete, that's listening to this show who might not know who you are and what you do, I'd love you to kind of tell the audience a bit about you and uh, what it is that you actually do and who you help. For sure. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. And thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. Uh, yeah. Basically, I help fit pros scale. I help them grow. Often they're fantastic at the technical side of business of getting their client in shape, but they struggle with obviously positioning, with growth, with getting the leads and the sales and thinking right so that they can go to the to the next level basically and what got you into it so like why did you decide to help fit pros why did that even mm. come from why not recruitment agents or bankers or yeah corner shops like where does this whole fit pro thing come from yeah it's funny man like i i never wanted to be a business coach it was something you know i i I was a fit pro straight out of school. So 17, when I finished year 12, I went straight into it. Um, <clears throat> even back then, I, I didn't necessarily have aspirations to be a fit pro. I went through a body transformation myself. At the time, it was to get the attention of women, right? When you're 17, that's what you sort of, that's top of mind for most young guys. I think we're and still then, doing that, Pete. I think we're still doing that at this age. <laughs> probably, yeah. It's, it never escapes us. But that was the original goal as a 17-year-old. And then as I went through this body transformation, other things occurred. My confidence went up. Um, my, my, my friendships grew because I met new people and was more confident. My income grew. 
And then I thought, hang on, you can actually get a career doing this. So this was in the year 2000. Yeah, 2001. And at the time, fitness in Australia, at least, was very, very small. There was no big chain gyms. There was no fitness first, good life. It was like, it was the big sports centers that you would go to that had the squash center, the swimming center, the group, the Les Mills group aerobics, group exercise. So I fell in love with the industry because I, I learned that when we transform somebody's body, they lost 10 kilos, 20 kilos, maybe even more. Every area of their life grew. So I fell in love with that. I fell in love with helping people go through what I went through where their whole life elevates due to fitness as the vehicle. But then along the way, as I had my own gym and as we did retreats and online stuff, what I also loved was developing staff, developing a team. So with the gym, we had a team of seven and lots of trainers were coming and going all the time. And I loved like training people up. So even then looking back, it's like Steve Jobs says in that commencement speech, to, to, to one of the uh, viral videos on YouTube that you can always connect the dots looking backwards. And I think looking back is like, yeah, I really love developing people around me. I, in a way I was coaching them on their business, but it was just under a different format, but it wasn't until 2014 uh, that a business partner with me at the time said, why don't you coach business? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't see myself as a, as a business coach. I thought it was a bit of a cheesy title, but he said, you've been doing it your whole career anyway why not sort of formalize it and that was my first step into quote-unquote business coaching uh, and we partnered up at the time to do some stuff and, and I fell in love with this same exact thing with fitness it affected every area of their life and now with business it was the same thing we transformed their business but their relationships their, their income their career their impact their self-worth all grew based on the stuff we were coaching. So I got the same high that I did when I was 17, coaching people on fitness. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because like what you're effectively doing with the fit pros, and this is how I see it as well, is if you can help like a fit pro or a coach build a successful business, that means that they're going to be able to bring in lots of clients and basically impact people's lives through health and fitness, right? So you're almost like at the top of the pyramid helping people yeah. get more attention into their businesses and effectively get clients that they can impact. So versus you just coaching clients, fitness clients, one-on-one, -on -one, you're like a head coach overseeing loads of coaches, creating a bigger global impact because then they're able to go out and get hundreds of clients for their businesses. Have you thought about it in that way? Is that how you see it? Yeah. And I still think well, I, I can still have an impact on the health of the world or, or, or the shape of, the next generation of their health because yeah as you said if i can double somebody's business and if i can work with one or two or 300 or 500 trainers per year the flow-on effect of that is massive and that's really exciting mm. it actually says in your bio i'm going to quote from your bio do you know what's there do you know off by heart what you've written in your bio it says build so. your <laughs> well we'll see um it says build your dream fitness business right and I want to know what your kind of take on that is because that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Some people want fully booked businesses where they've got all these staff working for them. Other people like lifestyle businesses or just want to work midweek and, and do the nine to five thing and have their weekends free for their family. What does that mean to you? Like not from a fitness business standpoint, but from your standpoint, what does a dream business look like to you? Mm. I think what most people get into business for is autonomy to be able to do what they want, to be able to earn uncapped income, to be able to help more people to maybe go against the norm. But autonomy is, is going to be different for each person. It's funny when I got into coaching, consulting full time, I said, if I can just earn 10,000 a month just with myself and no employees, if I can do 10K a month, 120K a year, all my dreams will be met. And it's funny, I got there and I was like, well, why, why stop there? It's kind of a selfish goal to only want to do that with no employees, no team. So now it's like, well, the, the next level is there. So I think for, for, for most people, it's autonomy, but that's going to be different for each person. Some people might be content at 10K a month, working four to six hours a day having time and, and location freedom others get there and then want to go to the next level so i think a dream fitness business it's 
it's very specific to the person, whether that's 10K a month or 100,000 per month, it's going to give that person what, what they want. It's funny though, the, the, the irony of that is most people get into business for freedom, yet they become a slave to it. They never grow out of, you know, swapping time for money and being stuck in it. But that's, that's the initial motivation for most. I want to talk about like your personal journey going to those different milestones. Like you talk about going to 10K and I think a lot of coaches come into this industry and they have that figure in mind when you ask them like, what's your goal? And they'll always just say, I want to get to 10K. I don't know why it's this 10K thing because it sounds attractive, right? Five figure months um, and people want to shoot for this 10K. They think it's a great milestone. When you crossed 10K yourself in a single month, when you did it, what did it feel like compared to making, let's say, 5K a month? Did it feel any different to you? What changed at 10K? Mm, not really. I, I don't think I, I, I felt like any pride or sense of accomplishment that I could relax now. I think it was like, well, I can now see that there's more possibility. I think at this level, I was saying to somebody yesterday that often going from zero to 10K per month is more difficult than going from 20K a month to 60k a month because when you're at that level of zero or you know maybe at one or two grand per month you probably have a small audience you probably have slow momentum you probably don't have the marketing and sales system so getting to 10k can feel like an incredible amount of work but at 10k a month let's say your package is 2k or 3k you're only really helping a handful of people at a time mm. and i think if you're driven by impact not just income people will get to 10K and they'll want to scale past that. Mm. I think as well, 10K is like, it sounds like a lot, mm. but it actually doesn't go very far. You Correct. Can, you, can't do, you can't do a lot with 10K. Once you've covered like your overheads, your living costs, you're not really leaving much money to create an impact. And I think a lot of people just think that it's the holy grail when they come into it. And I know like, um, actually the mastermind we're in is big on creating like these new levels of normal where you're trying to like almost reprogram your mind or reset it and get rid of the old and think in a new way and create new levels of normal. Have you been reflecting on yourself as you've gone through this journey of growing your business, creating these new level of normals? And could you kind of explain to people what that is? And what it's like to go from thinking 10k is a lot to then looking at 10k and it just being nothing like what's yeah. that journey been like for you dude i think this is a good question you being in the uk me here in australia we you know about 200 years ago the the, the british sent the criminals and the best athletes to australia right that's the story so but i think we still have that criminal mindset that convict mindset and I know UK is similar because I chat to other people in the UK about this and we do calls to UK fit pros. Americans don't think like that. Americans don't think that money is scarce or that success is bad. It is normal in America. Like a million dollars a month, if you said that to an American, like, oh yeah, cool, cool goal. It's funny, the difference in UK and I guess the Commonwealth versus the US. In Australia, if you've made money, you've ripped people off, you've sold drugs, you've undercut your employees, you've done something bad. In America, it's celebrated. Uh, there's a, a, a friend of mine who used to live in Australia. He said he would drive his Lamborghini through Brisbane and people would spit on him. Literally, he said it would happen more than like on a weekly occurrence. People would flip him the birds, swear at him, throw things at his car. He says in, in America, you drive a beautiful car down the street, people stop you and shake your hand and congratulate you. So it's like in Australia, and I know the UK is similar, and New Zealand, mm, yeah. don't be too successful. Like be good, be like above average, do okay. But the minute you go like next level, you are like frowned upon. And it's a really bad, I love Australia, but it's a bad thing about the country. So for me, it's about putting myself in environments where 100K a month, there's like people would, you know, the people I'm hanging around now at 100K a month, they would go broke. They couldn't afford to pay their employees with that level of income. So that's, you mentioned normalization and, 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 and getting to new levels. That's one of the biggest things you can do and fit pros can do. If all your buddies are fit pros earning 3K a month, you know, you will have to leave the nest 
and hang around others playing at a bigger level, even in a different industry or doing different things, just to experience what that's like. Mm. Because if you think money is scarce or that um, not everyone can afford nice things and you're not putting yourself in those environments, it's going to hold you back. I love this because this is quite fitting with what you just did. Recently, you went to a trip to Paris, right? With a ton of other business owners at different levels. And I think Jay Abraham was there, right? Who has helped people make billions in, in revenue. What was it like being in a room of those people, just so people can get like a grasp of what it's like to be in a room of people who are performing at the highest level and what that does to you? Like what rubs off on you being surrounded by those people? Yeah, man, Jay really impressed me. He was, he was better than I thought he would be. And, but just to, just to chat with him and chat with other people in the room, when you shake their hand, when you have a meal with them, when you break bread with them and they're doing things much bigger than you, but you realize at the same time, they're just normal people, you know? They still have the same issues we have. They still go to the toilet every day. They still uh, spill things on their shirt. They still do all these normal human stuff. And it normalizes them, but it also inspires you that they're just normal people with flaws, mm. with everyday problems, yet they are doing 5X, 10X, J, probably 1,000X what I'm doing per year, yet they're still normal people. And Jay was really inspiring. Like, I think he's almost 70 years old. He's... He looks 50, like he looks incredibly um, vivacious and young and energetic. He's a he's good very looking present. guy. Yeah. yeah, he's a good looking guy. He looks guy. healthy. He looks fit and healthy. Um, he's really present when he talks to you. You know, someone of his level is not like, not talking to me because I'm only doing a million a year and going to brown nose this guy. He's just like gave me heaps of time and was really incredible. But I think, yeah, you have to force yourself to be in those rooms. It's obviously 30 hours of floor to get there's a long way everywhere's a long way from australia but yeah, i think to your listeners and, and your clients and the people in your world they have to be willing to travel and fly and drive and catch trains and do whatever necessary to force yourself into that environment do, do you feel yourself coming away from that like inspired or demotivated that you're not where oh. they are because, and I just, I know you've got, I know what your answer is going to be, Pete. I know what your answer is going to be, but I know there's so many people out there that almost have this like comparisonitis problem where they're comparing themselves to other people and they're not being inspired. They're actually mm -hmm. being almost demotivated that they're not good enough. They're not where they should be. And it's almost like this epidemic. And I know you don't think in the same way, but just for the sake of this podcast, how did you feel coming out of that, being surrounded by all these people, some of them below you, most of them like really, really high up? How did, how did that feel to you coming out of that situation? Yeah, for, for me this time, it was, uh, that was never a concern. But if, if, I, if I think back to when I was 17, 18, going to my first events of this style, yeah, I used to think that. Like I used to have issues like who, who am I to add value at what le like at a discussion talking about big things, who am I to even chime in with my opinion? And mm -hmm. as a natural introvert, I used to hate going to events. A part of me still does because I have to, I have to force myself to be extroverted and put myself out there. So look, it's easy for me to say like now, no, there was no issues with that. But if I think back and you reminded me 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was a big struggle to go to those events because I thought, they're way further ahead of me. What value will I have to add? No one wants my opinion. I grew up like it was, it was like, Pete, you, you can be seen, but not heard. Don't chime in at the dinner table, right? Like just keep to yourself. So then going to an event with big players, it took some practice to, to, to shift out of that. But I think if anyone has that, if anyone's a natural introvert, you just have to flex that muscle. You just have to go and, and through exposure, get over that and put yourself out there and shake 50 hands a day and meet new people until it becomes a little less awkward and you have less of that comparison itis and you can just put yourself out there more comfortably. Mm. Love that. Love that word flex as well. You've got to flex the muscle. 
very fitting for uh, working with, with fit pros. Whilst you were out there, I noticed that you recorded a podcast with um, Eli Wild, right? For anyone who doesn't know who uh, Eli is, he's Tony Robbins's top sales guy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw you guys did a podcast, which is awesome. I want to know, what did you guys talk about on that podcast? Yeah, Eli's a fantastic guy. He's an incredible communicator. Uh, he had spoken that day for maybe six or seven hours. He said as he was presenting, he didn't sleep the night prior because he was redoing his slides. He had about 3,000 slides to try to get through. Like literally, he'd overprepared so much for the event. Um, we spoke about a lot. He, he, he's a fascinating guy, Eli. He just, he's very magnetic with how he talks. And there's lots of popular sales trainers out there today. Jordan Belfort, Grant Cardone. These guys, you know, going through airports, you see their books on the bestseller lists. Eli doesn't have a best-selling book. He's almost not famous apart from our little bubble, but his level of communication skills and questioning is next level. So what we spoke about was a little bit about his story, but also we, we brought up some slightly, you know, people might consider this woo-woo, but like the energy you bring to a room, uh, your self-worth in a sales conversation, how that affects the outcome, and really about not being needy. He speaks a lot about not being needing, you know, having no neediness, leaning back from the sale, not like wanting the sale and being desperate, which by the way, uh, works in your dating life, works mm-hmm. when you employ people. Neediness is like a revolting trait. And I see it a lot. I see a lot of fit pros put people on a pedestal. That's a form of neediness. They put girls on a pedestal. That's also the same. But uh, any neediness at all, any attachment to anything is 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 something that prospects and clients will feel and they'll be repulsed by it, even if they can't pinpoint why. So we spoke a lot about the energy. Uh, yeah, some woo-woo stuff that Eli likes to talk about and so do I, but how it affects sales and conversions and, and conversations in general. Mm, yeah, I noticed that he's um, very well-traveled as well, right? He travels a lot, doesn't he? I was scrolling yeah. through his Facebook and it was like, wow, this guy travels a lot. Do you travel a lot as well? Because I see you um, online. I see you in, in nice places. Maybe that's because Australia just looks great on camera. But um, it seems like you, you travel as well. And uh, if so, like, how important do you think that is for like perspective and, and really just like reflection? Because I know you're big on meditation, which I want to get into in a second. But is like travel a big part of your success or your mindset or your perspective like i'd love to hear about that yes 100 percent. and i think you know i think people in the uk get it because they tend to travel a lot people in australia get it because we have to fly everywhere uh i think some, sometimes americans are missing out like i know a lot of americans who haven't left the us but i think travel gives you a tremendous amount of perspective for two reasons number one often you're on a plane for several hours. So you're forced to be in this environment where you're quite reflective and, 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 and you can plan and you can get fresh ideas. But yeah, mm. seeing different cultures, seeing, you know, Australia is about 200 years old. When you go to Europe and there's buildings, when there's a church that's 10 times older than Australia, it gives you some perspective on maybe what's happened there and the cool stories that have, you know, France is so rich of history and cool stuff that's happened and it gives you ideas. So it gives you perspective by leaving your current daily flow. That brings you energy. It gives you ideas with different industries you see, hotel industries, airline industries. I think you can learn something from other industries all the time and you meet different people. I was hanging out with people from the UK, other fit pro coaches, people from the US, people from Canada. And yeah, I think some of my best friends now are people who I met through travel and through paying to be in rooms five or 10 years ago and now we're still connected. Love that. Yeah, I noticed that as well when I went to, um, I went to Thailand and I went to the Philippines earlier this year. And for me, it was just like a very good moment to reflect on everything I'd done. Because you know, when you haven't been away for a while, sometimes you need that kind of reset button. You need almost like shocking out of your routine Cause like when you get too stuck in the routine, almost like working in your business versus on your business, you can't really see what's going on because you're just seeing it through 
almost like a straw. And it's not until you like switch up the environment that you get to see from a wider angle. And I noticed that massively when I went to, um, when I went to Thailand and I made a lot of key business decisions when I was there because I had that new perspective and like anyone that's listening to this, who might be stuck in doing the same thing over and over again, just take yourself out of that situation, put yourself in a coffee shop or go for a long weekend away, or even just go to like a country pub outside of your town and just change the routine. Cause you've almost, I think people just go through life sometimes just going through the motions and they're in a trance. And then you look up and five years have gone and nothing's changed because you've never gained any new perspectives on life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a thousand percent. I think everything you said is, is spot on. And yeah, even if people might say, well, I can't afford a big expensive holiday. As you said, just go, f- take a full day, take a journal, turn your phone off and, and view it as a thinking day. I was watching the Bill Gates documentary last night. He's, he goes on Think Week since the 90s, a full week in some little cottage in the water where he just thinks. But I think if we can do that weekly, monthly, quarterly, where we're away, we're outside of our routine, the noise of kids and clients and family, you know, things, a, a lesson for a day or a couple of days, and you can think, you will have geometric growth from that. Mm. Super powerful. Yeah. I noticed that um, Jeff Bezos does something that you mentioned there. So every every quarter he'll go away for like five days sam ovens does it as well because he's obviously a disciple of jeff bezos he loves him um Mm -hmm. but these guys at the top that's what they're doing they're doing it to reflect get new perspectives get new ideas and um back in june i was scrolling through your instagram before before the podcast just doing some some research and looking at some of your posts and i came across this post of you looking super zen i think you had your eyes closed do you know which one i'm referring to yeah it's it's one of the meditation posts i don't know which one exactly but i'm thinking it's one of the meditation posts yeah you're spot on so you're looking very peaceful very zen and um you said in the caption that you'd been meditating for 300 days um is that consecutive days unbroken correct wow because like I've tried meditation so many times and never been able to stick to it. Almost like sometimes I feel like I'm wasting time, but I'm sure you're going to give us a perspective on why you're meditating every day and what it's done for you. So I'd love to know what impact that's had on your, your life, your business, your mindset. Like what's it doing for you, Pete? Why are you doing it so yeah. much? For me, I, I look at people who get triggered and I look at people who react a lot and it's like those people need meditation because that used to be me. Things would trigger me, uh, something would happen and it would throw me off for sometimes hours, sometimes days. So meditation has really stopped any, anything triggering me because there's a space between event and the reaction. So somebody cuts you off in traffic, there's often an automatic and instant reaction to that all through, you know, that's the small thing, right? But then something like a, a prospect who you think is a good fit, they say no to you or a client, you've done everything for the client and they complain about your business or something happens like that and people get triggered very, very easily. Meditation decreases that. It's, you know, I, I probably started meditating 15 years ago but never did it properly. I'll do it for five days and quit for a month. I'll do it for three days and stop for 60 days. It wasn't until, yeah, probably 14, 15 months ago now that I said, I'm going to do 30 days in a row, 10 minutes, first thing in the morning, 30 days in a row. And I did that and I said, maybe I can go 100 days. And then by 30, it was quite easy. So 30 to 100 was simple. Then I thought, screw it. I'm just going to keep going for, for another, you know, for a full year. And it's been going since then. But for me, it's helped me uh, be more present with people. It's helped me be less judgmental. It's helped me. I don't get triggered at all. It's, it's a secret weapon to growing a business. It almost feels like I'm outside of myself looking back and, and looking very objectively at things versus reacting and stressing and probably rushing to an early grave. People are like, Oh dude, you look like you look 20 years old. Why do you look so young? And I think like meditation, keeps you calm and keeps you less triggered and is probably a secret to, to anti-aging. 
is that the secret to your like amazing hairline? Cause it's pretty good. Maybe it is. I'm not sure. My, my entire family, I think were pretty much bald at my age. So maybe I've, I've skipped that gene somehow or hacked it through health and meditation. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, if it can reverse my receding hairline, then maybe I need to start meditating, but how quickly do you start to see the effects? So you talk about like this, almost like out of body experience, maybe not as dramatic as that, but seeing from like a distance, almost like the travel thing, right? Where you go away and you get a new perspective because you're seeing it from a new angle and it's a wider lens, right? How many days would we have to go to start seeing something or like noticing a change in our demeanor, maybe our egos? Can you, can you pinpoint that? Did you notice it or was it just like, oh, I can see now clearer? Yeah, I, I, I think around that 30-day mark for most people, there would be some minor tweak in levels of awareness or noticing less, less triggering responses to things. I would say 30 days would be a great benchmark for people. And the be- I found the best time for me to do it anyway and the people I've recommended it to is first thing in the morning because lunchtime might work or you know, late at evening might work, but stuff in the day happens. But if you can set your alarm 15, 20 minutes early and roll out of bed and do it straight away, there is some science to this. Like Joe Dispenza says, first thing in the morning, your brain waves are different. So it's easy to tap into like a meditative state. But I think first thing in the morning, before the day gets busy, if you have young kids, so do I, you just get up a little bit earlier and uh, you carve it out daily. I would say for your listeners, a 30-day challenge would be a really good start. Awesome. You, you mentioned there about family and um, it's clear from like your online persona and, and your Instagram and stuff that you're very much a family man. I think you've got two daughters, right? And a wife. Um, what's that been like? Cause I'd love to give the listeners like a glimpse into your business and running a family. Cause you're not running a small business, but you're also running a family or maintaining a family as well. What's that been like over the years? Have you found it being difficult? Have you found tension? Have you had to compromise things? Like what's that process been like of maintaining a family, but also trying to build a really big business at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's trickier, man. There's just more moving parts. I think it, I think it helps if you can really compartmentalize what you're doing. So what I mean is like a lot of, guys especially say, I am doing everything for my family. I'm doing everything for my kids. I'm growing this business for my kids. They never see them. So I think that a lot of them are living a lie with it. They're not really doing everything for their children. But I think it's this ability to be able to, when you work, work and focus. And meditation has helped me with that immensely because it helps you to do one thing, to do it properly to switch off the other thoughts that are going on and just focus on one thing. But also when you get home or in the morning with, with your family is to be fully present with them as well, mm-hmm. to put your phone away, to turn your phone off, to not react to everything that's happening on your phone straight away. And to be able to like, when I'm with family, I'm with them. When I'm with work or, or with clients, I'm with them. And to be able to have that skill to switch between them is, is tricky. It's not easy, but I think, that's one of the keys and that's why meditation matters more because it helps you to focus on a single on a single task and not 27 things and kids you know at least mine after a certain age once they hit two or three uh they know they can tell when when you're on the phone they can tell when you're trying to work and be a parent and they will test you with that and i think it's a great teacher to be fully present with either work or family and to switch between the two is um is a skill that's worth getting good at. Mm. Love that. I want to ask you, do you think that anyone can build a successful online coaching business with the right strategies and tactics? Or have you observed something else? Is there something else that people have to have in order for them to be a success? Because I ask this because I personally think that the strategies and tactics are one thing, But like, if you don't have a purpose, a why, or like a fire inside you when it gets tough, then no matter how much strategy and tactics you've actually got, you'll never really be successful in in the sense of the word that we see it. 
where they're mm. building something grand and making a huge impact. But I'd love to get your take on that. Is it more than mm. just strategies and tactics? Because that's what we always talk about on this show. But we never go deeper. Yeah, I think it's 10% tactics. But plenty of people with the Facebook pixel sorted or plenty of people that can write great organic, yet something's missing. And that, I think, comes back to identity. It comes back to self-image. It comes back to how someone sees themselves. And yeah, I think anyone can be a business owner with the right thinking. I think like, I think too many people get caught in like, oh, my, my personality test said I can only do this or I'm just an ex, I'm just a trainer or I'm just a mom or I'm just a gym owner. Yet I think like what is, if we can go deep here, like what is identity? It's just like a bunch of thoughts and things that we've, we've told ourselves, and, we, and we, we act in accordance with the identity we've imagined, right? Mm. So what, who says you're only just a PT or you're only just a 10K per month earner? Often it's our own identity that shaped that. Because imagine this, you could pack up your entire life and change countries. You could move to New York City. When you got there, who were you becoming? Who are you? You could be whoever you wanted. But in our current habits and day-to-day programming, we're just acting like we're told ourselves we're meant to. Mm. So I think, well, I'm Pete, I'm, I'm this person, I do this, I act this way. Well, who told, who told us that? Why can't we change that? Why can't we shift that immediately and start acting in accordance with that? There's lots of things that want to keep you safe. The, 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 the fear of being kicked out of the tribe or the fear of being isolated from your, from your tribe is massive. And it's why often people hit this glass ceiling of trying to change things because they don't want to be kicked out of the group. They don't want to be isolated. They don't want to attract hate. So they just, they just attach their old identity, but there's nothing that's forcing people to, to stay where they are. Yeah, you got me thinking about that identity thing because it's almost just made up, isn't it? Yeah. Well, no, it is. It's not almost, it is. Like we've given ourselves names, Pete and Alex, and we've decided to be that person, but who's to say that that's what we are? We've just made it up to almost make it like comprehensible that we're a person. And then we've created this identity of layers and layers of experiences over and over again. And then it's what we see is just our reality, but actually it might not be the actual reality. It's just the reality that we see. And you might see me in a different way to the way I see myself. And you can go super deep with this shit. But what I like about this is you're talking about going to America as one person and you could effectively go there and be someone else because no one knows who you are. Can you reprogram your whole self to be someone else? Is that possible to do that? So if you're 20, 30 years old and you believe yourself to be one person, can you reprogram yourself to be a completely different person within a couple of years? Is that even possible? I know we're going a little bit deep here, but what's your take on that? Yeah, I believe you can 100%. I'm not saying it's easy, but I definitely believe that you can. Joe Spencer talks about this a lot. And, uh, you know, his books are fascinating if this stuff interests you. But he talks about, like, people are running the on, just the unconscious programming. We, we drive the same way to work. We eat the same food. We react the same way. We have the same nuances in our personality. But a lot of that's just, just unconscious habits. And he says through meditation and through increasing self-awareness, when you can make the unconscious conscious – when you become aware of the programming, then you're no longer running the program. So to, to make this really practical, if somebody's in a sales presentation and whenever money comes up, they get weird. Or when somebody has to ask for something or confront somebody, they think, well, I'm not confrontational. I'm not going to do that. But that's just old programming. It's just old habits that we're stuck in. And until we can become aware of that, then we can't imagine the, the 2.0 version or the 3.0 version to reinvent yourself and act in accordance to that because we're stuck in the old way. So I believe that you can because I've seen it with my own life. I'm a believer in that happening. I was a shy, introverted, 
very judgmental kid. And I think a lot of those traits, now that I'm aware of them, I've, I've been able to change them, thankfully, and, and go to a 2.0 or 3.0 version. Hmm. What happens when you hit a wall? So in your life, in your business, when you hit that wall, because you're going to hit one at some point when you're trying to achieve anything. So there's, there's going to have been some times in your business where you've got to a point and it's like, how do I get past this? And you almost feel like you want to give up. What allowed you to keep going? Because I know there's so many fit pros and coaches out there that literally just hit a wall and they tap out. They're like, I can't do this. Or they plateau and they never move beyond that point. Why is it some people are able to get over the wall or smash through the wall and some people don't? What do you do? How do you get beyond that point? Mm. It's a good question. Um, I think developing a certain level of bounce back ability like a certain level of grit that when something happens, when shit does hit the fan, that you have to be able to run through that wall. And I mean, you know this because you're in this world, but successful entrepreneurs, if there's a wall in front of them, they run through it, build under it, run around it. They'll find a way. I think people think uh, it's like a straight line to success. They're here and in a year they can be here. It's a straight line up. But you know, you've probably seen there's lots of um, infographics that, show what it's really like it's there's it's a roller coaster you go backwards three steps you'll then project two steps and you'll hit a wall and go back again i think not enough people understand the realness of it fucking takes a lot of work and it's not going to be a straight line and it's not going to be glamorous it's not going to be like instagram worthy as you grow from where you are to where you want to be so i think that's the first step it's just understanding that it's messy understanding that uh have you read a lot of Stephen Pressfield? Are you familiar with his work? No, but give, us, give about, us, yeah, give us a little snippet of what it's about. He, he talks about like there is labor pain. When a child is born, even the most glamorous, beautiful women will be swearing and cursing and there's blood everywhere, right? No matter how glamorous that the female is, it could be the queen, right? And that, he, he says that's a good analogy for anything. There's labor pain when you birth anything. It's messy. It's, it's, it's swearing. There's cursing involved. It's, it's, it's not glamorous at all. And I think if that's the case for birthing a baby, then birthing a business or birthing a book or birthing a gym or birthing a vision, it's going to be messy. There's going to be screaming and cursing. It's not going to be glamorous. There's going to be labor pain. So I think if people understand that, and I think the second thing, we, we see a lot of talk about mental health at the moment. I think the second thing is it's okay to ask for help. You know, a lot of guys especially struggle with that, but it's perfectly okay to ask for help, which just by asking for help, by definition, it says that you're not okay with something. It says that there is a weakness or something you do not know yet, but that's okay. And then you can ask for help from a mentor, a coach, a partner, somebody that can help guide you through it. Mm. Two things I picked up there is like, The first point is getting comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. So getting comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. But what you said and the way that you describe it is you're accepting that there's going to be pain. Mm -hmm. So when the pain comes, you're not like, oh, shit, this is painful. This is bad. You're almost, like I said, getting comfortable with the fact that it's going to be painful and understanding the relationship between pain and growth as well. And I think like, it's weird to me that a lot of trainers don't get this when it comes to growing their business, that they need to go through some sort of growing pain because that's what you do when you put the body under stress to make it grow. Like when we talk about flexing the muscle and growing muscles, you've got to put it under some stress in order for it to grow. And it's the same relationship with anything, like diamonds, business, whatever, right? You've got to put it under some stress. Um, but another thing I picked up on, which you, which you talked about, and I love that you mentioned it because we, we did a podcast the other day titled how, the, how Being a Lone Wolf is Hurting Your Business. How Being a Lone Wolf is Hurting Your Business. And I literally just put out an Instagram post saying literally what you just said about reaching out for help. And it's kind of fitting with this whole mental health thing right now. And I think it's not just the guys either because we had a female host on this podcast and she was saying that she didn't want to reach out either 
because she wanted to be perfect and she didn't want to come across that she, she was failing. I think we have this like this feeling that if we reach out for help because it's too painful, that we're almost quitting and we're admitting that we're failing and that damages the ego. And that's the biggest trap of all is not reaching out. And anyone would look at you and go, wow, this guy, Pete, he's so relaxed. He can meditate. He's so calm. He's making all this money. He's super successful. He's helping other people. But I imagine that at some point you reached out to someone else and asked for help when you were not sure what to do next. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, I wish I did this earlier and I wish I did it more often. Um, what I've noticed from other like groups, I mean, mastermind groups I've been in, in the past is that the people who ask the most questions win the most. Like there are people in some groups I'm in now that they ask questions every single day. And I used to look at that and think I would never ask that question. It looks like a, a stupid question, but they don't care. They want the answer. So I think the, the ability to extract value from something comes down to being okay asking even the dumb questions because that's what you're there for. If you're in any relationship where you're there to get help and you're not asking questions, you're not getting the most value from it. So yeah, it's perfectly okay to ask. We have to drop the ego around it. We're too scared about asking a dumb question or what we think is a dumb question. But in 10 years, those dumb questions are going to help you get to where you want to get to. So it's totally okay to ask for help. People should, people should ask for more help. Um, my goal when I go into a program is to be their best client and their worst client. Like their best client in terms of growth, but their worst client in terms of, oh God, Pete's got more questions. And just asking like more and more questions over time. But it's tricky, man. Like I wish I asked for help sooner. I would be light years ahead now if when I was 22, I asked for more questions, but I wanted to, you know, pretend I had it all together. But I think as you grow, you drop that, that ego or that whatever it is. And you're just so happy to ask more questions. Mm. I imagine that um, the meditation has played a role for you though, because that helps you almost like control the ego and maybe your emotions. Does it help you make clearer decisions when it comes to things like that? For sure. Yeah, 100% because it just like sheds, sheds that stuff off of you and, 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 and you think, well, what have I got to lose by asking? And I think, yeah, the meditation has helped with that immensely. It's helped with everything, dude. Like it's, it's helped in so many areas, um, in focus, in letting go of that, in shaping what that 2.0 version is. And then you can start to, to act in accordance with that. And I think like the goal of meditation is to increase awareness to increase focus. So there are other tools that do it as well. Journaling can help be helpful for a lot of people. Um, things like ecstatic dance or bioenergetics or vibrating or shaking and just letting things out can have a similar effect. They're, the goal of them all is to increase awareness. You just got to find what works for you and you've got to do it for more than 10 minutes. You know, you've got to do it consistently and it will have, it will have similar effects. Yeah, I keep circling back to the uh, the meditation thing. I'm just trying to get you to sell me the idea, <laughs> literally. That's why I got do, you on this it, podcast. Do it for 30 days. Do it for 30 days. Can you do it for, for five minutes a day for 30 days? I think what I'll do is I want to hold myself accountable. So when this podcast airs and it goes live, I'm going to start my 30-day meditation yes. exercise so everyone listening, I'm going to hold myself accountable to all the listeners that as you are listening to this, this will be my first day of 30 days. And uh, I'll try and document it and keep you in the loop. And I'll hold myself accountable to Pete as well. Powerful thing, I'll, accountability, and, guys. Yeah. And report back. Report back with, uh, with the outcome after the 30 days. Yeah. Maybe I'll even do a podcast about it. You totally should do a recap, do a, do a, do a recap after 30 days of what you learned. So I know we're kind of closing in on the hour, but, um, I imagine you to be a very avid book reader. Maybe I'm wrong, but you strike me as a book reader, right? Mm. Uh, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine you read a lot of books in your kind of Zen pose as well. <laughs> um, but 
I want to make it super practical because I know we haven't spoke about loads of strategy for, for the fit pros and personal trainers. I'm trying to switch gears on this podcast and just unpack some things that most people don't talk about, right? But um, with the whole book thing, I'd like to make it practical for the guys and, um, and girls. What books would you recommend for fit pros? Is there any specific books that fit pros should be reading that would help them in, in some way with their business, whether it's yeah. sales, whether it's marketing, whether it's meditation, mindset, what would you like to dish out to people? Yeah, I'll go through a couple. So it's, it's super practical. I think the Bible for everybody should be how to win friends and influence people. Uh, they should not just read that once. They should read that 10 to 20 times. You should read it a few times straight away and then come back to it annually. It is everything on relationships, on trust, on uh, building human connections. It is the ultimate. So that's number one. Number two, uh, I think everybody should read all of Dan Kennedy's books. One of like the OGs on marketing. But one that will be super practical is uh, it's called Wealth Attraction in the New Economy. It's basically about money mindset how to think about money, how to think about success. It ties into some of the stuff we spoke about earlier about like um, uh, not being too successful and money being evil. That will change your business a lot. And then one that probably people haven't heard about a lot is called Obvious Adams. Obvious Adams. It's a super quick read. You could probably read it in less than an hour. Um, I heard back in the day, David Ogilvy made all his staff read it. And I think it's incredibly valuable. Obvious Adams. Awesome. That would be the three. The first one I've read, I read it when I was um, 17 years old. Mm. It was amazing. I remember it. it's got a purple cover. Yeah, I think it's, it's incredible. It's, it's literally, it's life, <laughs> isn't it? If you think about yeah. it, because it's all on relationships and how to speak to people, not, not to like criticize people. Or if you're going to criticize someone, criticize yourself first and, um, listening It's just a very practical book that will help you with everything. Getting your girlfriends, cutting deals, sales, everything. So I love that book. The other, the others I haven't heard. So that's great for, for me. And I'll dive into those. Maybe we can put some links in the show notes. Um, but as sure. we wrap this up, um, one, let's just recap on like what specifically you help people with and if they wanted to learn more about what you actually do um, and how to get like into your world, mm -hmm. how can they do that? Yeah, I mean, all the socials, it's just under my name, Pete Tansley, uh, Instagram and Facebook, probably more active on Facebook. Uh, and you can check out our website, which is the same URL, petetansley.com. There's free webinars there, free books to read, free, uh, free articles and blogs there to check out. And if any of your readers have questions, feel free to just DM me. Say that you, uh, you know, mention this podcast, mention anything you need, and I'll, I'll be happy to help any of your listeners. Awesome. I really appreciate you coming on, Pete, and uh, hope you enjoyed it. For sure, man. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did enjoy it, I'd be really grateful if you could leave a short review on one of the platforms. And if you're a personal trainer in a commercial gym with 500 plus members and you want to fast track your income growth and learn how to sign multiple new clients a week, reach out to me personally through Facebook or Instagram and just drop me a private message so we can get the conversation started and see if you could be a good fit for one of our programs. All the links to my social can be found in the show notes so we can connect there. See you next week.